Hi, and welcome to episode 75 of the Gridiron Zero podcast. My name is Andre, and with me as always, my co-host aside. What's up, brother? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. And with us on the podcast today is a coach who most of you listening to this podcast will know as the former head coach of the Old Boy Black Knights. It's Coach Aaron Fiddler. Welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. We're in a new year, and a new season is just around the corner. So make sure to get yourself ready with fresh new football gear. And what better place to get your gear than the biggest reseller in Scandinavia? What makes Contact Sports unique is its relationship with brands like Shut, who give them the exclusive license to sell their products in Sweden, Norway, and Finland. If you have any questions to the guys at Contact Sports, feel free to contact them on their website or visit their store in person. And if you are interested in what happens behind the scenes, visit their YouTube channel. And when you order at contactsports.se, remember to use our code SHITSHOW to get 5% off your purchase. That's our code SHITSHOW as one word, S-H-I-T-S-H-O-W. And we've got some other big upcoming stuff that we mentioned last time, too. We're uh, launching our very own merch. So on Friday, January 27th, this weekend, you can get your very own Gridirons of Europe merch on contactsports.se. So make sure you check that out. And now let's get to our discussion with Coach Fiddler. Coach, how old did you feel when I told you that you coached me in a junior camp when I was like literally 16 or 15? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I forget sometimes um, you know, how long ago it was um, that I was there. And, uh, you know, in the whole scheme of life, it's not that long. But I mean, when you were 16 and then it being, what, five, six years ago? Yeah, uh, I'm mean, 21 now. For for you, it seems like a lot longer than it does for me. <laughs> yeah, can, can, oh, sorry. can you clarify to the listeners uh, what years you uh, were over here in Sweden? Yeah, uh, it was uh, the winter of 2016 um, through the uh, end of the Super Series season in 2018. So th three total Super Series seasons. Yeah, so so three full seasons. That's that that's a that's a good run in Sweden. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and um, you know, it was a big part of my life. Um, but when you go into something with a five-year contract, and uh, you know, you have the goal of of making a place your home, you know, the three years wasn't definitely wasn't enough. Um, but for, you know, personal things, uh, not associated with football or the team or anything, uh, you know, my children growing up a little bit, um, cause us moving back. And, and, and where, uh, where do you live right now? Uh, I'm living in uh, Germantown, Maryland. Um, it's like a, I guess a suburb of DC or it's in the, uh, what's called the DMV, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. Um, okay. we, we just moved up here in August actually isn't it scary having a five-year contract like if you go there the first month and like this is shit i'm stuck here for four and eleven more 
four years and 11 more months. I mean, I, I guess I could have looked at it that way. Um, I, I looked at it as some stability. Um, I wasn't moving. I had a nine-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old or something like that, a three-year-old. I can't remember. Um, and, you know, I, I just wanted some stability for our family, but we knew we wanted to be there. Um, you know, I mean, what if I would have gotten there and not meshed well with anybody also, then the team was stuck with me for four years and 11 months. That would have been great. Yeah, I, th I think that's actually a really rare setup for a team over here to just go, yeah, we're, we want you for five years here. That, I, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Uh, I, I had um, talked to a couple teams prior to that, uh, and that had come up, and then you know, uh, speaking with the, the people with the Black Knights as well. Um, and, I, you know, it was a big move. I was a high school head coach in West Virginia. Um, I, I did want to get out of the situation I was in because of, you know, it was my first head coaching experience. And uh, they don't give – they always say they don't give good head coaching jobs to 27-year-olds. Um, you know, so I was <laughs> – you know, I was uh, building – trying to build something, but um, – you know, my, the work I could do there, I felt like I needed to move on. So, How did you know Sweden existed on the map? Well, um, I coached in the GFL as an offensive coordinator uh, when I was 22 and 23. Um, I was with the Marburg Mercenaries in 2010 and the Berlin Adler in 2011. Um, so I can't remember how it came. Maybe it was when Karlstad played uh, the Kiel Baltic Hurricanes. Um and I, I'm pretty sure Karlstad beat them. Um, Those and, years, Costa was overpowered. Yeah, they had some good teams back then. Yeah, and, um, you know, I knew how good we were in Marburg and in Berlin. And, you know, to see, and Kiel, we, we split the games with Kiel, I think, both, both year or, you know, both times each year, or at least played real close that second year. Um, Did Kiel make it to the championship that year? Yeah, yeah, so if I believe right, um, my year with Marburg, we lost to Berlin in the semifinal, and I think they beat Kiel in the final. And then maybe the next year when I was with Berlin, uh, I think that it might have been Kiel that either Kiel won it or Braunschweig started their really long you know, reign in Ger Germany. I can't remember which exactly. I think um, eleven the unicorns won, then whole bunch might have been. Of New York whole bunch of lions. Yeah, that might have been what it was. Um, I know we lost in in Berlin to um, the unicorns that year. Um, and, I I I found some old results here, and yeah, the Kiel uh, Baltic Hurricanes beat the Berlin Adler in the final in 2010. Yeah, yeah. So we lost, I guess, in the semifinal uh, when I was with Marburg that year uh, yeah yeah that's right a center a center chased down a big 10 corner uh on a pick six um but my, <laughs> uh, we always gave uh Deontay battle uh he's played in poland a lot uh we always gave him a hard time but nobody knew he was injured so that's why he didn't <laughs> from behind by a center but that guy was moving i'll tell you what it was crazy that, that's badass from an offensive lineman to oh, yeah. make it chase down a corner like that having the effort to run 
It was crazy. It was if you look at the old GFL TV stuff and look at that game, you'll see it. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the wildest things. And you know, it, it'd be. I mean, it wouldn't look any better if I was chasing after the guy. But you know, his little legs going real fast, and he ends up <laughs> he ends up catching him before he scores, and that ended up being big because I think they stopped us uh, inside, like inside the five, like five different drives or something like that. I mean, it was. You were a defensive coordinator then. No, offensive coordinator. Um, I've only coached uh, outside linebackers at a high school. And then, obviously, in, in Europe, you know, you end up coaching one by Everything. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Yeah. Coaches' resumes become so weird after they coach in Europe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the nice thing was whenever I came back to the U.S. and I went to a high school, um, it was the one I was supposed to go to as a kid, but then we moved. Um, I, I knew their uh, head coach a little bit, and I went to him, and I said, hey, uh, can I coach for it? And he said, well, what do you coach? And I was like, I, I can coach anything. It doesn't you know, it doesn't matter. I've coached it all for the last couple of years. And, um, but yeah, I actually coached outside backers and running backs, and I had never coached either of those positions, you know, just on my own at, a, at even the high school level. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is kind of crazy how how many different positions and roles you take on as a coach. Sometimes in Sweden, our our head coach last year, I think he, let's see, he started out as a defensive coordinator, got promoted to head coach, then he was continuing head coach DC duties for two years, and then he switched over to be the OC the following year, <laughs> and while still like going in and coaching like every position on defense as well. So it, it's kind of incredible how vers versatile some of you guys are. Yeah. I mean, it just, you do what it takes. Like my last year um, with the black Knights, I was the only American coach. Um, and then, you know, we had players coaching and a um, few other people in the organization helping out, but uh, you know, we, sometimes you just got to, um, do the best with what you have and um uh, yeah we we did okay you know it wasn't uh our best of the three years but um you know you had a decent year yeah it was it was all right um especially coming off the championship year i think well um are, are you talking last year you guys won not this I unfortunately didn't get to win one. I uh, was supposed to come over as offensive coordinator for that championship year, and I installed oh. the over here, and um, COVID scared me off. Um, and, yeah, so I was there 16, 17, 18, and then uh, just worked from here a little bit uh, with everybody. Um, but you know what's funny? I quit coaching at the high school and – when, when COVID hit and I told the head coach, I said, I know you guys are going to state championship because I'm leaving. And they did. And then whenever I told, oh the guys, my God. I told the guys with the black Knights, I said, Hey, you guys are going to win, win the national championship. And then they did like, essentially oh. people need to hire me and then get me to, to not do it. But you'll win a ticket, apparently. <laughs> yeah. To everyone listening, hire uh, Aaron for uh, about three seasons and then make sure you get rid of him and you'll win a championship a year or two later. It's a guarantee. Guarantee. Right. But yeah, um, no, when I'm talking about the season where it was just me is um, that 2018 year when like uh, Gothenburg was in the league 
And uh, that's that's the year when Stockholm ended up breaking the streak, right? Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think so. We lost to them in the semifinal when they yeah. bought every player in Sweden. That's not hey. from Stockholm. I w- listen, I would have done it if uh, if I could. So. I, I don't. I, Their I don't roster was basically the all-star team of Sweden. It, 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 it was needed though because Costa they had a mo- monopoly on that title for years on end. Yeah, we lost to them in the seventeen championship game at home, um, and I thought we we had a good game plan going into it, and it was just. I mean, they turned they turned it up. Who lost to Costa in the finals? Um, I mean, it's a lot. Like, I don't, I don't know the number, but I know it's a lot because we talked about it a lot about you know getting over that hump and like it felt like we were getting over the hump, you know, when I was there. Um, you know, and that's no disrespect to those guys. Like, I have uh, the highest respect for those guys that are in Carlstad. I love the way they do things and all that. Um, but Nobody, not from Carlstad likes Carlstad. So it's okay. No, but it's funny. Um. It, like I actually do. Like I know that sounds weird, um, but like DD and Danny, you know, and Tracy and um, you know the guys, you know, within the the front office type guys, and then a lot of the players. Um, you know, I built really good relationships. I felt like with those guys, um, Joseph Ingusa was one of my uh, best friends. I felt like uh, while I was living there, um, coaching on the national team with him. Um, you know, I think that good uh, competition between two teams really um sometimes it, it brings the people within it pretty close together um you know especially when they've gone back and forth you know battling for five years in a row or whatever it was uh, that they lost you know the black knights lost to them and then some, you know, some game was a 50 something to like 14 loss that doesn't feel in the good. finals Hey, do you see uh, Georgia and TCU? <laughs> having some fun. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, oh, I've, man. I've taken my share of butt whoopings. I am not afraid to say that uh, my first year as a head coach, we lost. Now, I will say the other team had two D1 wide receivers, but we lost 84 to 8. But we started the game off 8 nothing. We scored on the first play, a double pass, first play of the game. Andre, sounds like you are uh, last year and you. Not this year, the year before in U19. Oh, yeah. We had a very bad year <laughs> in 2021. The team had three D1 athletes on it. Who's did? Tabby. For, oh, for yeah, one yeah. random year, they took the entire league academy and put it in an already solid Tabby roster. Yeah. They yeah, they... Juanstas livelihood 70 something to 14 well we were playing we were playing i'm sorry if i say it wrong for constad i can't say it the way you guys do we were playing <laughs> down there and we had isaac moore on the o-line and we had gustav Rydberg on the o-line and we had uh anton anton oscarson so there's three te- technically three D one guys. If you really think about Gustav's ability at the time as a 18 year old, and you guys cut us to death, your D line did, and we just couldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was one of uh, Coach Walker's uh, best inventions when he was with the club. He, the we, 
Yeah, I think we called it root hog. Actually, we started it the year before when when I was still U nineteen, and we just have defensive linemen shoot forward straight into the knees of O linemen and let our athletes uh, make tackles behind them. Yeah, that, they, that they execute, season, execute game plan. Sorry, that season I played that game. I lined mm-hmm. up against Isaac Moore sometimes. <clears throat> so I said that game. I told coach like after I saw the. Root hog thing. I told him I'm not playing D line. I'm playing <laughs> linebacker. I'm not playing my hand in the dirt. I'm a literal punching bag. <laughs> hey, oh, you that victory on that day. I did not do shit. Isaac, Moore, I had conversation with him mid play. Like he was holding, like lifting me off air and walking with me. I'm like, yeah, what's up, buddy? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I- I, I remember playing the basically the same Little Blue team the year before, the, re, the year prior there. And we went up to Little Blue and had a hell of a battle. I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't that close of a final score in the end, but I just remember everyone on our team was absolutely exhausted after that game. You guys beat us up all day, but man... Well, our philosophy on the U19, and I'm not joking about this, we would, Carl said came to play us, and I told uh, so Eric Kornblum and uh, Johan Lindahl and uh, Sebastian Nielsen were my assistants, and I told him, I said, hey, you all might think I'm crazy. I'm calling every play on this first drive. I'm calling power, and I'm just going to run it out of different formations, and just we're just going to smack them every time. And I think we ran it 13 times on the first drive. You had the offensive line to do that. Yeah, and we, I was just like, well, we're going to – either we'll beat the heck out of people physically and we'll lose or we'll beat the heck out of them physically and we'll win, but at least they'll remember it. Oh, I, I went in as an edge rusher uh, against you guys. And, man, I, I didn't play against uh, Isaac Moore, but I remember the, the tackle you had on the other side was just as big as Isaac was. Yeah. <laughs> what did you get? He, actually, he played for Marburg Mercenaries uh, – where out, you know, was my first time ever in Europe. He went to them a couple years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you Google big guys near me on Facebook or something? <laughs> How do you end up with that large of a human beings? I don't even know. Like my dad, for real, and this is totally a joke, uh, Wada or whatever that is. But my dad uh, has always been a, a high school coach, and he coached some uh, college too, but. He asked me when I first got over and he saw some of the like youth players, he goes, are those guys like on steroids or something? And I was like, no, it's just their genetics. I was like, they're just huge. I was like, and they work out hard. You don't have to ask a single one of them to work out. They just work out hard. Like it's crazy. The of your podcast not condone using that sports, sports. Enhancing Thank you very much. Yeah. Very important disclaimer every time. Yeah. I joke about this subject a lot and, Someday somebody will take offense. All of a sudden they show up at practice. You see that person with the clipboard, and then you're 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 waiting around to practice for two hours trying to use the bathroom. The worst thing if they put you on the like the doping list on the dr- drug test list, then you have to like, yeah, I'm going to pee now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to visit my father. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, it's nothing to joke about, but. For how many years did, did you coach of the U19s in 2019 before uh, COVID? Did? No, I was uh, – I, I left after this uh, – like in July of 18. 
was when I left. Did did Urbu had a U19 team in 18? Yeah, you make it to the finals, right? I I think yeah that yeah. they did. Did yeah. they do a yeah, they did. Tiros, did I guess do a combined team that year? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been cool to coach those guys. Um but like I said, it's life happens sometimes. So. I'm just glad to say I've never lost a game against Urbru. Hey, there you go. I've never won a game against Karlstad. So. <laughs> oh, wait. G19. G19. I'm in men's, but. I've beaten Gothenburg once in my entire life. Really? I don't know how. That's... Once. You would think, because, I mean, you guys play. Same division. Yeah, same division. And, like, I've watched your, you all play, like. That's kind of but 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 here's the thing: Osaid has not always been a Kihuansta guy, so he hasn't oh. had as many opportunities to play against them. Oh, well, see, as, then, as, as a member of the Predators, I'm an import. I played for the Predators for the majority of my career now. So, but if you know what yeah. Cause some Oak Leaves is, Cause some Oak Leaves, it's a village team. Right. They they never recruited me on Euro players. <laughs> I don't think they have you. I, they can't afford you. <laughs> I mean, that's very true, but listen. I, I think they can afford anybody for them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. like, isn't that kind of the sweet, that's kind of the Swedish way anyway? Like, eventually, you know, just let the person price themselves out and then you'll move on somebody else. Yeah. Like, Kihuansta, barely any player is a original Kihuansta player anymore. Oh, really? Hey. Hey now, I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here, Osai. He's probably the only one. The entire roster. No, is like, no. It is nearby imports. That's funny. One time, I won't say who the player was from down there, but he was working our youth camp, and uh, this this little kid. He he's talking to the little kid, maybe like a seven eight year old, and the kid said, "Oh, sorry, I don't speak Danish." <laughs> The disrespect. That's the disrespect, man. I'm from West Virginia, so you got to imagine all the jabs I've gotten in life. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I always say that. And I'm not from like Skåne area, so I'm not close to Denmark. So mm -hmm. I take really big offense to that because I'm not from that Denmark region like you guys. But I, I, I'm not going to get too historical here, but your uh, the the place you live in was equally as Danish in 1640 something as we were. So calm down, calm down. History lesson. History lesson. Was your journey in Sweden enjoyable, or was it could have been more enjoyable if Kalsa didn't exist? Um, <laughs> that's funny yeah uh, it was honestly no joke for a second I wake up every day and wish that I was uh, still there able to do it um, I made such great friends and everything um, and you know the fans are so amazing and the, the you know you get to go around you know for example that camp go and work with um, you know teenagers and young people from around Sweden and then with the national team camps get to do all that um, I couldn't ask for anything better. Now, uh, I'd like to have beaten, you know, beaten uh, Carlstad in that championship game. I'd like for John Knox, Knox not to 
get his knee blown out in the first drive of the semifinals my first year. I would have liked, you know, for uh, oh, I don't know, I would have liked for you know, just us to execute better, me to call a better game, my last game ever over there, you know, um, when we lost to Stockholm. I have regrets, but it's all uh, because I cared so much. Nothing that I wish was different was because of anything bad in terms of the league or the people there in Sweden are amazing, you know. But wasn't it boring facing the same three, four teams? The Uppsala was a bye week bad in those days. Well, not when I... Uh, so uh Raleigh Odell, um, we're up like I can't remember if we were up 14 or 21 against Carlstad in the first game of the year, and and our quarterback dislocates his toe, his big toe. And we end up losing to Carlstad at the end. Um, and then we gotta go into um, you know, the Upsala game, the next game. And I mean he's Superman, but you know, Stahl playing quarterback wasn't the same as having an American quarterback. And uh, then uh, Timmy Gorenson uh, hurt his knee in that game. Uh, you know, he was our running back. And, um, you know, we ended up – I think we lost that one. Um, you know, so I've lost to – I've lost to Upsala more times than I care to admit to. <laughs> but, hey, yeah. Upsala weren't really – bad until like the end of your uh, tenure there they they were a really good team for a while oh they were and they were physical like we'd you'd have mo over there yelling and screaming at at you from the other sideline which i that guy's awesome i always think he's really funny um you know and their corners be pulling our guys down and everything else and you know i don't blame them for it if it's not gonna get called then do it you know um you know play within the way the game's being officiated and the you know, the rules. And, you know, we had some battles with uh, Uppsala and, um, you know, it was, I'm trying to think. So what was it? Gothenburg and Karlstad and Uppsala and us and Stockholm, I think my last year. Um, you you probably had Limham in the division for your first two years as well. Yeah, that was um, interesting. Like I, uh, that was such a best ride of your life. Yeah, I was telling a kid about it the other day at the school I work at. I was like, man, we used to ride all this way down, and, you know, it'd be a good game for a little bit, but by the end of it, like, you didn't want to sub because you wanted to, you know, get back on the bus and go. And one time I pulled my – the second year I pulled my starting quarterback because I didn't want him to get hurt, and then we – I think we threw a pick six and got back within the normal time frame because of that. You know, we got out of the mercy rule, and people weren't very happy at me with that, but – you know. What's the level between Division One and the Super Series that big? Because when Linham left Division One, they were blowing teams out by like fifty points. Mm -hmm. So how do you join the Super Series and get blown out by fifty points? Um, I'm not really sure, like uh, how to explain that. Because you know they had they had some players like that we would have loved to have, or you know that played on the national team and stuff. I, I don't know what that answer is because. Um, we would, I always felt like kind of scheme wise, we would, um, be a little, just a little bit ahead. And then, um, you know, just in terms of execution, maybe, I don't know if, you know, I don't know what that was and, you know, not that it's a negative towards them. It's, um, hopefully that we were doing things the right way. So. Yeah. I think the level, the level of play, it's just, 
such a big difference when you get up to the top level. I think I think the only team that's really had a winning record their first year in recent times would probably be our 2013 team in, in Kijuansta. was probably the last one who uh, had a winning record their first year. And that team was probably South of Sweden all-star team combined. Like, yeah, for sure. Had- you guys always have such good skill players, especially. Um, I noticed, you know, like at least at, back then when I was there, I haven't kept up as much. Um, but you're all skill players are always scary, you know. Um, you guys took Jonathan Gale from us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, that was, uh, that was a fun guy to watch. And I, I didn't blame one bit when he wanted to go to Germany. Um, he, he he's he's always been an amazing player. I grew up playing with him. He's one year older than me, and he's he's always been a fantastic player, a leader. He's played every position, plays his heart out, loves the game. Oh, he won the, the – we played England down there in Gothenburg, and we went to freeze, and somehow we messed up, and they snapped it to him, and nobody else moved, and he ran scored touchdowns. And it made me look pretty good, but um, <laughs> out on his own. <laughs> Is he like a highlight reel? I've never oh, seen yeah. him play, actually. Oh, it's, you've, it's... you've never seen Jonathan Gill play? He came back for one season in Kijuansta, and that season I was focusing on my uh, boxing career. Hmm. Okay, what? Career, yes. I, I was I mean, a very good boxer. He's a guy, you throw him a bubble, and, I mean, he's it's zero it's to six, like immediately. Yeah, he's normal. Yeah. He's because Alpha Jalo said he's the best receiver he lined up against. Wait, yeah, that, that was wow. That's some high praise. Yeah, exactly. I think that might. Oh, sorry. My bad. Somebody no, you're good. Oh, I was gonna say I think Alpha Jalo is the best um, player I've ever seen in Europe. Same. He's it, that's crazy, and uh, you know, like one of those guys smile on his face when he comes up to talk to you after the game and all that. And, I always really enjoyed. Uh, we had him on that. the show before. Oh yeah, I played I against him one quarter. Oh, how'd that go? He got, he got ejected. He scored two. Like I think he touched the ball twice. One of them was a bubble screen. Like you know when you like when he runs, it sounds like a train because <laughs> he's big. Yeah, and then he'll dead leg you and put stop on a dime with a dead leg, and then cut back across the field. And I just sound like. Shoes. The entire team just flashed in front of my eyes. I just saw him run, could not keep up with him. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, I saw I, I saw it from the sideline and I was like, man, this we're gonna have to win this in a shootout. And then he got ejected. <laughs> I'd have I'd have given your guys left arms to be able to have Alpha on my team, man. Like, He's expensive. That's what I'm saying. I'd give your arms at least. Like I <laughs> I'll give your arms. <laughs> I love how some just some random teams could afford him. Like the Bucharest Rebels yeah. got him. And the Morcia Cobras got him. Yeah, then Stockholm can afford him and call stuff for like one year. When he literally looked like he was having fun with his friends. It was like, like turning 15 times in a one return. <laughs> Are you coached against him? Yeah, I mean he's he's amazing. Yeah, we played him a lot, and I love I love watching him play. Uh, 
you know, he was a guy that I would watch the other games to get to see him play. And I mean, you didn't want to play against him, but it was, you know, he'd make your draw drop sometimes from the sideline. How did you game plan against a guy like that versatile? Because you know he could play running back or receiver. Then out of nowhere he lines up as a DB, and and yeah, your kicking game is zero if he lines up back there. Yeah, but our main role is don't kick it to him. I mean, like our entire game was our head coach says if the ball comes near, we are dead. Just <laughs> kick it somewhere else. I think we successfully kicked two onside kicks when Alpha was still in the game. Yeah. I mean, that's the types of things you've got to do whenever there's a guy deep like that. I mean, I think that's where you got to be able to onside kick and pop up kick and, you know, do things like that. Um, because what's the alternative here? I mean, now we always thought we had good kickoff teams and kick returns and all that. Um, but you're taking your life into your hands if you kick it deep to that guy. I mean, it's usually you don't have your best athletes in special teams. I do. Like you cherry pick your special team? Well, no, it's how that's how you that's how you win a lot of games is you put the good players on special teams while everybody else doesn't, and that's what that's how you end up. I mean, if if you could look at some of our uh, old stats and see where we started with the ball a lot of times and um, you know things like that, and some of the stuff we were doing, um, you know, we we game planned really hard and practiced really hard for special teams, um, like we knew field position was going to be a huge thing, um, you know, and that's, that's how you uh, make up for maybe, uh, you know, some of your, some of your deficiencies is be really good on special teams. And, but also the guys that weren't our starters that were on there, um, you know, I made sure that they knew that their role was important. Um, that was one thing I hope that uh you know, a lot of my players have always felt was that they had a role that was actually important. Like, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt. Like, hey, you're on the front line of this uh, kick return. I need you to sprint as hard as you can back, you know, flip your hips the right way, and make the block. But that's also how we practiced. We didn't um, – we did what was called special teams lines. Um, so every guy on the team um, that wasn't, you know, completely excluded from special teams practiced uh, – all together on special teams in about 10 minutes to start every single practice, but we practice on the actual skills of special teams. Um, and then we worked every day, every practice that we had, we'd work on our special teams. So special teams was a big thing in our group. Yeah. It's, it's you, you have to, like, I, I don't know. Teams, I'm not putting in fingers. We'll practice special teams, like five minutes of practice. Mm-hmm. And then in game time, the kick returner runs the other way where he's supposed to run. <laughs> Nobody barely knows where to block. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, we another were, like we were in plays on our kick return. Like we were in power and counter and stuff like that. And you had pullers and everything. Yeah, I'm not joking. Uh, we'd have a double team, a double team that was the kick out, and we'd have another double team that was a pull through and all that, and we'd block down with everybody else. Yeah, an, 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 another like classic uh, at the lower levels in Sweden is you haven't practiced special teams at all, and then you set it up on game day. You stand here, block that guy. You stand here, block that guy. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, if we all agree to it, that'd be kind of fun, actually. But I'm not, I'm not agreeable. Um, I made a mistake, actually. You know that uh, cross tag game I was telling you that our quarterback hurt his toe. 
I told they had some kid from England or Spain or somewhere, and he was a really good kick returner that year. And he he was like, "Man, why won't you kick me the ball?" And I said, "I'm not stupid." Well, when <laughs> then I at the end of the game, I I was like, "You know what? Just kick it to him." And because I thought we'd run down and make a tackle because we were winning by so much, I think. And that kid took it back for a touchdown, and I went, "Yeah, I'm stupid." Like he got Devin Hestered. He he talked me into it. I'm not even joking. He talked me into kicking it deep to him. And I knew better. Like, what was I doing? But I think what it was was where we, we were having trouble getting any kind of movement with on offense. So I was, like, worried that we'd give them the ball, at, like, you know, too far back, you know, if, if we got it back. So I was trying to put them deep. And I, I had a lot of confidence. Like I said, we practiced a lot on special teams. So why not? So I think you had trouble on offense because Colsta averages 200 kilos the linemen. That's why. Yeah, but I don't think, like – Flemstrom wasn't playing that year. So, like, we, we ran the ball really well that game. Who? Flemstrom. Yeah. He was one of the best D linemen in the Super Series for years and years. You can't tell me. Like, there's no way he couldn't at least make practice squad of an NFL team. He was amazing. Really that good? Oh, my gosh. Like, like bad dreams is how good he was. Like, oh gosh, my cat keeps messing up. Why I've never heard of that guy. I don't know, but you need to know because he was ridiculous. Like I, 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 I've heard the name, and I, I know that he's he's definitely he was definitely one of the best defensive players in the league for years. But I, I didn't realize it might actually be at the level where he's touching the the level of some of those guys you're talking about. I mean, I've been to like Redskins practices before. But there's some guys out there that Flintstrom can play with. <laughs> and I, I'm so sorry that I even said that team name. I wasn't thinking because that's not, you know, politically correct. The Commanders. I'm sorry. They switch um, name every other weekends. Huh? Yeah, and, and you know what the problem is is at the school where I work, it's it's in Northern Virginia, and people wear that stuff all the time and i'm like hey i don't really feel like we should wear that to school anymore but uh so i, I just get used to seeing it and i don't i don't pay much attention to them so it kind of threw me off you get randomly some really talented dudes and you look at them like if i got you when you were like 13 years old i would have made you a star oh i mean could you imagine if so like a guy like that like i know you you're not as familiar, but could you imagine if they had like Celsius or whatever rig, whatever it's called, whenever he was that age? It would have become yeah. a monster. I mean, I if mean, he's a, if he's as good as you're saying he is, he'd be fir- first ticket to D1 school. Well, you know who is a lot like Simon uh, Sandberg. Yeah, we had him too. I mean, that's the type of guy he was, and. I mean, he just like, you know, I'd sit there trying to game plan for him. And I mean, you just had to do some weird stuff trying to figure out ways for him not to just completely destroy every play you ran. That's very much, that's very much how we felt about uh, Thomas Collins this year. He's uh, the Oregon team. He's all, yeah, he's also headed to Oregon State. Like, literally, he's not a top. Like, he wants the offense was. Throwing a toss, he caught it and returned it for a touchdown. 
Andre was going into the next play, like he was planning the next play. Then he saw somebody running the other way. Yeah, me, I, I was, I've been coordinating our uh, offense for the U19 team the past few years, and it, in the final, our quarterback, he, I think he scrambled, and I, I thought, okay, he got five yards, gets tackled. I start looking down at my play sheet, and then I hear something, look up again, and. Holy shit, Thomas Collins has the ball and is returning it for a touchdown. Like, wh what the hell just happened? That's crazy. Like, I've seen stuff like that happen before, but for somebody as big as he is to be able to do that, like, that shows you why he's getting to go and play where he is. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, he looks good against Swedish competitions. No, I can't. I mean, the nice thing is you've got guys like um, like I saw the newspaper in Orbro had uh, a thing about Isaac Moore today. Um, you know, guys like that going and having success and, um, you know, that really um, just opens doors for everybody else as well. Um, what, what's your uh, relationship with uh, Isaac like? Um, I mean, I, uh, I was real, really um, – I don't know what the right word to say is flattered or I don't know the best thing to ever happen in my career. He asked if um, I'd go on the field with him at um, senior day this year at Temple. Um, and, you know, as a coach to uh, take a guy um, around the East coast on a seven day tour, trying to get him offers and, you know, for him to get a couple and come out of that trip, you know, ready to, ready to get working and you know you, you don't know what's going to happen after that and then for him to i think he started 56 or 57 consecutive college games and broke temple's record um you know and to see him have the success that he had and how much he's grown um i mean that that was it's just amazing it's it's one of the coolest things to see uh you know somebody that you, you know you knew back then and see what they become like that's really cool and i'm, I'm so proud of him like and I know everybody back home, you know, I say back home, uh, back in order, uh, you know, everybody is so, so proud of him. And he's got a, a good support system of people from there, good friends and everything. And he's got, you know, good family. I'm proud that he kicked my ass. I can only <laughs> imagine how do you feel? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, all I did was, I, <laughs> I drove, he'll, if he hears this, he'll love this, him and Gustav both. So him and Gustav both were coming over. To me and i'm picking him up in pittsburgh and i'm gonna rent a car and take us around the east coast for seven days we're gonna end, end back in west virginia at a west virginia at the west virginia texas game they were on the recruiting sheet for that so <laughs> i've got this car and my mom uh, had driven me down there so i didn't have to take my car down to the rental place and she sees this car and she goes hey how tall are those guys and i was like well they're both like six six or six seven something like that she goes she walks in and the guy comes out and hands me the keys and it's a big Tahoe at least. So I, I picked those guys up and while we're driving our first place, we're going, we're going to Yukon. So we got to drive from Pittsburgh to Yukon, which I don't know how many hours it is. It's a long way. Like it was a long, long way. I don't have a clue. Like we drove all through the night to get there at eight in the morning and we were meeting up with the, the dream chasers tour at that stop. So we find though this passport and it's this guy whose last name's body so we just talked the entire trip the whole seven days about our boy body 
may he rest in peace and all this stuff like because we just found his passport in the car and every now and again one of those guys <laughs> in the group chat uh like we were talking about isaac and you know his accomplishments and stuff we we're like ah, oh, he did it all for our boy body <laughs> like that's the the <laughs> who has the passport for body now <laughs> <laughs> but we like looked him up and he was like a rapper down in georgia and you know, all kinds of stuff. I, I, I love that you found that in a rental car that far up north, and it's some rapper from Georgia of all places. Yeah, it's in the YouTube rap video. Camera. It's in a rap video, that car. Yeah. And we're just, you know, he was a part of he was a part of our trip and you know, Body lives on with us. he might be alive still, I don't know. But Body's proud now. Yeah, body's proud of Isaac. <laughs> he was saying that in his speech. His senior <laughs> quote or something. Did it all for body. <laughs> if he did that, what if on draft, like, what if he gets drafted and they cut to him because he's a special case or, you know, like interest case from Sweden? And he's like, oh, I want to thank, you know, all my coaches at Temple and it's all for you, body. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun inside joke to somehow throw in there. That would be amazing. As you said, is it like do NFL teams get scared of drafting European players because of the visa thing? Oh no, I, I think that's probably fine. Um I think um you know some of the hurdles that I think like say guys have going from Europe to college like one d2 school like i had coached against plenty and i knew isaac and gustav could play there um you know they were like well we just don't know about the competition they played and i'm like they played against grown men like guys that played at purdue or wherever like they played against those guys um you know and it's it's a hard sell um but uh you know not no no free ads or whatever but um you know that um Dream Chasers tour. I thought that they did a really good job. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't keep up much with it anymore. Um, but they did a good job uh, getting guys exposure. Um, and, you know, we, uh, Isaac and Gustav weren't on that tour, but uh, I kind of linked up with those guys and we hit some of the same stops. And they did a really nice job of connecting us with coaches that felt comfortable uh, bringing in European guys. Um, and I tell coaches all the time, uh, any, any that I talk to, like, go recruit Europe. Like, there's big line. They work out hard. Um, there's better skill players than you think. Um, and it's still it's still a lot of untapped potential, really. Oh yeah. Is people in Europe in generally bigger than Americans? Mm, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I would say, yeah, in some ways, um, especially younger, um, like. A lot of our younger guys that were well developed, like it was e maybe easier for them to put on some of that mass, maybe than you know some of the guys here I've coached, uh, you know, like in high school at the high school level. Um, and I mean, maybe taller, I guess. Like you know, Scandinavian countries are taller, but I mean, nobody's little in the NFL. So. No. But, but yeah, it's it's crazy. But you have people like uh, Bernard Ryman who went over there as like a he, he was a skinny receiver in Germany and he's now playing offensive tackle for the Indianapolis Colts. It's 
one hell of a change. Oh, yeah. I mean, that one thing, too. Like, is the Austrian guy? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Austrian, not German. Sorry. Uh, it, uh, all of our non existent Austrian listeners would be really pissed off at me right now. <laughs> You're telling me Leon's interviews don't get you all big numbers in Austria? I, I I think those have gotten a few listens from uh, Austria, but I don't think they're tuning in too much otherwise. His last one that he did with you all had me dying. Like, did oh you listen God. to it? Yeah, because like I wanted to know kind of what questions you guys might ask and things like that. I, I do my research. Like, is this legit? Who's this random guy texting me? I'm a Euro player. <laughs> well, that's not even it. Like, it's five D line. I did, I just, I just wanted to know kind of what kind of questions you all might ask, and it's random. Um, you know, it's cool. I, I, I enjoy what you guys do, and that's not just being nice. Like I do, I, I've listened to a couple of episodes. I listened to the first one with BD today. Yeah, oh, that that was one of our earliest episodes, and he still one of my favorites. BD is awesome to just have a conversation with. I yeah, could listen to it all. Like it sounded like a documentary. Yeah, he and I have a good connection because we both don't like Texas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, horn, horns always go down. <laughs> um, so Oklahoma and West Virginia have a good uh, connection when it comes to not liking Texas Longhorns. <laughs> no, but Leon, he's a really gangster. He does not care. He called an NFL lineman like, yeah, he came back home. He looked like a fat cow. <laughs> I like yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't have much of a filter. I, I really like him. He's he's a lot of fun. I tried to recruit him when he was young. Like, whatever. How long was that? So, let's say 2016. Um, it might have been a few years, at, like the next year. But I tried to get him. When to I wait, said, to Germany or to Sweden? to sweden i try and like okay so here's here's how you got to recruit other countries you start you gotta like start reaching out when they're like 18 19 before they're like one of the top players in their country you know what i mean you gotta be able to identify the talent I, or you gotta get them when they're old you he was a good talent because he's balling in the elf hey he's amazing like it's great so like we played uh Swarka raiders in the euro bowl in 2011 and seeing some of those guys now, obviously they had a lot of um, European imports or whatever, but like some of those Austrian guys, like from that second, I, I probably every year that I've even considered going to Europe, I've tried to contact some of those guys to try and get them. And not just though, you know, from Sparco, um, you know, cause the one that I tried to get uh, my first year in, uh, or he, he went to the giants, Platt Schumer. That's giants. Oh, right. Yeah. Giants. Yeah. yeah you could have had it on your team. Well, no, I couldn't because I didn't have a boatload of money to throw at him. <laughs> um, when they're yeah. young, they don't care. Like, give him a random job and tell him, like, you're a pro athlete now. Your college no, chances weird. are blown out, but still, you're pro athlete. <laughs> they're like, I'm a, they're like, I'm going to be a dentist. And I'm like, okay, never mind. I guess, like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what class? Went to school in uh, all of Europe in Orebro. We'll you guys see. don't. Let's... Oh, okay. <laughs> don't college and high school coaches lie all the time. Oh yeah. You're gonna be a star in my school. 
then yeah. they will get a better job when you sign. Yeah, like my college was out in the middle of nowhere. It took it's called 15 Mile Road, is how to get there. And it's like twists and turns and everything. Like we don't have moose in West Virginia, but like you might see a moose on the side of the road. <laughs> I mean, that's the type of place this is. It was such a home field advantage, teams coming in on the bus. Like they'd be sick by the time they get off the bus. And they, they'd be like, Oh man, we'd have recruiting weekends and be like, Oh yeah, like uh you know, what is there to do? And we'll be like, oh, the, there's a mall right down on the interstate in Charleston. It's, it's 90 minutes away. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, we tell them, oh, yeah, it's just right down the interstate. Like, I mean, there wasn't even a Walmart within an hour and a half drive, I think, whenever I was in college. Like, I mean, you just got to do what you got to do sometimes to sell it. No, you're not lying. It was down the interstate. There is a there is an uh, airport that flies to New York in Charleston, but like, I mean, you just have to do what you have to do sometimes. But, you know, you don't tell, like, terrible lies. <laughs> so I guess you guys got the ones who like, didn't have many options. We um, – You didn't get we, anybody that Alabama was trying to recruit, if I say so. <laughs> because we were D2. Um, but I did one time – I got this kid that was uh, a commit to Florida International, which is D1. And um, – you know, I told him, I said, man, they're gray shirt new, which means you sit out a year and then you go to school. I was like, instead of gray shirt in there, you need to come up here. You're going to, you know, catch so many balls for us and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And the kid committed to us. And we, wow. gave, him half, we gave him half a scholarship. We didn't even give him a full scholarship because you can't. I mean, at the D2 level, if you give people full scholarships, they've got to be like a D1 transfer. Um, but, yeah, we just – we got him there and then, I mean, it ended up, he couldn't catch and he played wide receiver. So that didn't work out for him or us, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he looked the part. I'll tell you what, he looked the part, but I found a lot of times at D2, the guys that look the way you want them to look, they're not going D2. It's no, the they shouldn't. Like, it's the guys that don't look right, but they play really, really hard and, you know, play the game the right way and maybe they're I mean, like just below elite speed. Those are the guys that are going to have success at that level. Yeah. I, I, I can ima imagine like uh, an undersized uh, slot receiver making hay in D2, for example. Oh yeah. We had this guy in Germany, uh, Brandon, Brandon Langston. Wait, Brandon Langston. Yeah. The one it's who played for the New York Lions. Yeah. He played for us in Marburg. And then the Lions took him. No, that so we got him at like the end of his career, I think. Um, because he went down to like Italy and just tore that thing up down there. You know, like he was so fast. And we had one time uh, we were playing New Yorker Lions in the first round of the playoffs, my first year. And I, I'm pretty sure they were they either ran the opening kick back for a touchdown or they got an onside kick and threw a touchdown first play, something like that. They scored really fast. So then they weren't going to kick it deep to Brandon. And they kicked it short to to our like our six eight tight end was right in the middle of the field. They kicked it to him, and he catches the ball and turns and tosses it to Brandon, and he goes boom right by everybody, scores a touchdown. And I think he had four or five kick returns for touchdowns that year. I mean, it, it was nuts. One of the fastest people I've ever seen. He played D two. He played at Grand Valley State. Um, oh, that's a good that's a good school though. Like uh, when yeah, Josh Pino played there, right? I'm not sure, but 
But what I've heard, D2 players are the best ones to get to Europe. Because the oh, D1 yeah. athlete will expect too much because he's used like own weight room, hot tub, like a protein. They give him protein bar and get it right after practice. They have massage therapy. You get a D2 guy, he's just glad to play football again. Yeah, I think uh, D2, D2 and D3 guys, especially, uh, you know, the higher level D3 guys, um, I think that that's the perfect way to go for, you know, the, uh, in terms of imports. Now, the other thing I've seen work really well is you get, like, you know, some um, NFL guy that made it maybe, like, one year and then was only on practice squads or, you know, he's got that dream of trying to make it back. I've seen that work a little bit, but like guys straight from D1, I haven't seen work a whole lot. Yeah. We we had uh, an offensive lineman here, I think in 2014 who had been, he had been at minicamp with the Ravens, I believe. And he came in, and well, obviously, was the most dominant lineman we we'd ever seen down here. And he was a fantastic coach to the rest of the linemen there too. So like, he was so helpful, so kind to everyone, and that that was actually incredible. Yeah, I, that I mean, bringing in guys like that can really help. I mean. Coach, I need your opinion on this one because I had this idea and you seem like a pretty pro recruiter. So my plan is to try to get those like five-star recruit. I want all of the DIYs, like DUIs. I want the assault. You know, every like five-star recruit who got in trouble, I want those guys. (laughs) The U.S. are blown. So they got to redeem themselves somewhere else. I mean that's I right. Want the they... possible drug test who's banned for three years. Come to come to Europe. I got you. <laughs> well, and if they never played, I think this rule's right. You got to find the guys that never pl- actually played college football, and they're over twenty-one. Don't they count as an as an uh, European, not an American? Yeah. See, see, coach is with me on this one. Coach <laughs> is with me on this one. <laughs> I'm just saying, there was this quarterback that I coached in Virginia, and he went D2, and he blew out his knee his freshman year, so he never played. And I was just waiting for him to turn 21, and then I happened to leave. Uh. This guy, what, this guy, he was 6'4", he could run, he could throw, he had a strong arm. Oh, it was going to be so, so good. <laughs> but see, could this plan work, or it's just like I'm waiting for that, those – I mean, Trouble. I guess you gotta, you gotta get all those visas, and then you know we always talk about too. You don't want too many renegades on your team. Like you need a couple of renegades. You don't want too many renegades. And then like, I mean, you gotta look at your own One roster. Always in trouble in line. Then, yeah, I mean, how many renegades you already have on your team? You gotta look at that because like, you know, I don't speak Swedish, so I don't always know that a guy's a renegade. So then, you know, you gotta. I'm, I'm not saying I'm assembling the 2007. Florida Gators here. <laughs> Hold on. Let me do quick math. Quick math. How old are you? <laughs> what, what year was that? The, like more arrests than touchdowns? 
Allegedly. The quarterback who owes in church. <laughs> but see, you had Tim Tebow to keep them all under control. <laughs> oh, gotta love that. You gotta have the right combination. I mean, because the coach was obviously a renegade. We've learned that now. <laughs> Thank goodness for Tom, or Tim Tebow. I call him Tim Tebow. Thank goodness for him. The coach is running wild. Think, the players are running wild. I think literally their head coach went to like the cops and told him like, "Yeah, give me all athletes' files," and he just cherry picked like assault my guy, <laughs> karate kicked a ref in youth, my guy. I'm assault not gonna... with a weapon, my guy. I won't. I won't say the player's name. Out of respect and fear, but we had this guy one time. <laughs> we had this guy one time. Now I can't say years. I can't say anything. But Please it was in spring. It was for the spring semester. You know, you have spring ball in college, and we had this guy that was the number one linebacker in the country coming out of high school. Started for a really good team, like. As a freshman, like I think he started like four games, then ended up leaving, went to a JUCO and had like 16 sacks, and then went to another, went to a D1 and was really good, and then ended up getting kicked off for things, right? He came to us. He came to us, a Division II in the middle of West Virginia. Our running back was the best running back I've ever seen. He had, um, in person, I'm saying. Uh, but his problem was he was like five four, five five. Um, but they knew each other from when they were young. So we get this guy. He's six four, two thirty, and could run a four four. Like the NFL had him clocked at four four, and at six four, two thirty. This guy made so many crazy plays in practice, you couldn't believe it. I saved practice film for a long time because I just wanted to be able to watch it. He ended up getting ruled ineligible all that stuff because of the transfer rules and stuff and had a great season at an NIA he went to. However, the NFL said you wouldn't believe how big the folder of his arrests are from when he was a youth. It was crazy. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that man can play football. If you just had him, so your your recruiting strategy it might be a thing. It could, like, it could lead to a lot of like unnecessary fights in practice and games and post games and maybe some arrests. But listen, yeah, yeah. So 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 Osaid has tried to bring this idea to the table like ten times on the podcast. I swear to God, he's brought it up so many times, and I and I keep going. Well, Osaid, they got in trouble over there. What do you think will happen when you bring them over as an import where they don't have much to do during the days? They only have two or three practices per week and the game day. What do you think they're going to be doing the rest of the time here? You enrolled them in a church. (laughs) They already got a church here and it didn't help. See, my plan could like become the next New York Lions or backfire completely and you have no club in two years. <laughs> the, the whole club. But see, those guys would be cheap because they want a second chance in life. Yeah, sure. <laughs> For 
I will send your film to a lot of NFL coaches and everything. It's your it's your chance to redeem yourself. Like Josh Gordon. Tell me this guy would not rip Europe apart. Of course he would. But he couldn't stay off the weed. The Grid on a Europe podcast does not condone smoking or using any drugs. Thank you very much. So yeah, Josh Gordon, he will blow up Europe. <laughs> he literally would blow up Europe. He'd be yeah. he'd hotbox hot Europe. Uh, Just to let we don't drug test you. <laughs> we don't <do> drug test you. <laughs> um, you know, we, we almost uh, we were in talks with Pat White my last year. You remember him from West Virginia? Oh, really? Yeah, I, I remember the so so this is a guy who the Dolphins drafted was it was a second round and they brought him in to be like their wildcat quarterback and then it never materialized. Isn't yeah, he like an NCAA game Hall of Famer? Yeah, I um so I coached with uh sorry. Uh, I coached my dog goes nuts whenever there's kids outside. Um I coached with his brother Bo at Glenville. And so then obviously I, I had met Pat a couple times and uh they had the littler brother Coley who didn't have you know a, a prolific college career like his older brother, but he was pretty good. Um but you know financial like money wise I could understand you know, Pat asking for what he asked for, but it was just out of our range completely. Um, but, you know, we had serious talks for a little bit and we actually, you know, we considered it. Um, it just would have literally been me and him, no other, uh, no European imports, no anybody else, you know, just our guys there. Um, so, you know, ultimately decided it wasn't right, but man, Pat White, like I've seen that him would- Play. That would that would have been incredible. Oh, it would have been crazy. Like it, it would have been absolutely crazy. Look what he did to George, the Georgia Bulldogs. Like, <laughs> yeah. like look what he did to Division One at like literally guys who had killed Swedish players. I mean, it would have been nuts. Like Pat, it, it would have been crazy. It, it, it literally would have been crazy. But How that was the only time. Much of that guy? What'd you say? I'm, I'm, like the hard part of like getting in touch with those guys. Oh, uh, well, but because of Bo, where I coached with Bo, um, I was friends with uh, like Pat on Facebook. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was um, like I used to, when we'd play uh, close to where West Virginia university is like, I'd go, my dad, he'd be, he'd get a text and he'd be like, Hey, go to the front gate and tell them to let uh Pat and those guys in. Who are those guys? Well, Steve Slayton and the backup quarterback Jarrett Brown, like and Pat. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool, um, <laughs> you know. And I had to tamp it down, you know. Like even though I was a fan of theirs, I had to be like, "Oh, hey, what's up, guys?" You know, and just help them get in. It was pretty cool. Have you seen Tavon Austin play in real life? Yeah, it's crazy. Him, Is Noel Devine, both. He's like Jonathan Gale, but on steroids. That does oh. not condone using any steroids. Yeah, I have to um, say it. Yeah, like it, it. It was wild. I mean, just how fast you know. It's like I said with Gil before, but you know, guys that um, you know played at the D one level and could do those exact same things against D one guys. I mean, it was 
unbelievable. I mean, my parents have always had um, season tickets to West Virginia games, so I've been really fortunate to, you know, get to see a lot of, a lot of greats play there. I got to see Larry Fitzgerald play in college before you were born. That's crazy. Larry, wait, are you are you older than Larry Fitz? No, but no. I'm saying he was in college and I was in middle or high school. Didn't he play for Army or some random college? Pitt. Pitt, yeah. Pitt. Same, same. Oh, oh yeah. He he was I remember he was on the cover of was it NCAA football? 2005 or something like that, oh, the video game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was one of the craziest games I've ever seen was Pitt and West Virginia. They It was supposed to be like a day game. And at West Virginia, they start tailgating. It's like 6, 7 in the morning, and it's wild. I mean, West Virginia is the number one party school in the country most years. And luckily, I didn't go there. Um, but – the game was supposed to be at noon, so everybody tailgates like you would for a noon game. But then they ESPN kicked it back to like a seven o'clock start. So then everybody kept on going. I mean, this place was electric. It was wild. Everybody was hammered. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, they were they were for the twelve o'clock kickoff. So then think about that. It didn't start until seven at night. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like sometimes, like, not not to be insensitive to our veterans, but, like, sometimes those games be like, like, you went to Vietnam, like, there's people stumbling around, bumping into you, like, you're traumatized as a little kid, like, seeing some of that stuff, I'm not gonna lie. Like, you're like, I have seen some shit. Like, <laughs> oh, my. Going back to your, I have one question. The Super Series, how many imports are you allowed to have? In A's and E's. I think it was was it it was either I think it was eight total, so you could have six E's and two Americans, or you could have like seven E's and one American. It could add up to eight, but you can only have two Americans. Ah. And in Germany, is there any number for E's? Mm, there was when I was there, but there was I think when I was there, but I think they lifted that, and they can have unlimited E's, but you can have like six Americans, but you can only play two at a time, so it's kind of dumb. <laughs> Then you can have eight Back dual passports. <laughs> That's why oh. I said it before. That's why I love the GFL. There's barely any German players left. The <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all playing in Austria. <laughs> <laughs> like when you went up against the New York Lions and realized that half of their roster are actually on salary. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of them are have never seen Europe besides and have a European passport for some reason. How do you game plan against a pro team like that? If you have like eighteen guys who's like homegrown, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've never lost to Braunschweig, but um, I think that was before they started bringing everybody in. Um, like maybe the year before. Then the unicorns. Uh, the unicorns make the same deal. Yeah, I mean, the unicorns. The crazy thing with them was their all their wide receivers are like six four or taller, and I think I remember one thing. One of you guys asked, like, well, why do you throw a bubble to a 6'4 guy? But if they're like, he's the shortest one and moves the best, that's the guy you throw the bubble to, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I asked to Leon. Yeah. It's, uh, but, boring. Morris Boringer. Like, yeah, yeah. you got a screen against him. Like, how the, why do you throw a screen to that guy? <laughs> like, we played them every, they were, they went four wides. Every single one of them was 
like taller than six four. I mean, I mean that it's insane. that just doesn't happen anywhere. I mean, that it doesn't happen anywhere, but definitely not in Europe. Like, how how do you have a team where everyone every receiver is that tall? Oh, I mean, it was nuts. Like, but I mean, then I think back to me. Like all the eighteen-year-old six-six offensive linemen, offensive linemen I've, I've started in games in a five-year period, like it's kind of crazy. Like I did, I did it in Sweden. I did it in Berlin. I started uh, our my first game as the Berlin Adler OC. I started one guy who had been an O lineman the year before against uh, Kiel Baltic Hurricanes, and we lost like. 50 to 46 or 43 or something. And the year before the game was 14 to seven. So figure that out. I don't know. So, something was working on offense at least. I mean, those guys, like, they just played hard. I mean, like we had a, our center was a middle linebacker moved to center for us. We had an 18 year old that was, like I said, like six, six that had never played a line playing offensive tackle for us. And, you know, we gotta put him at tackle, the most important position, like the hardest position. No, tackle's easy. Guard, guard you could sleep. <laughs> I'm tackle, you have actually to be an athlete. Well, and think about this: we played Mooch and Gladbach, which I know that's a weird name, but um, we played them at their place. Their front seven was either an American who had played D one or a guy who had played in the uh, NFL Europe. Man. So you just I mean, pray for the best and let your middle linebacker slash center do his best. I mean, it's crazy. Like sometimes in the GFL, some of those defenses, especially because I mean, they've got every team had a good D end. Every team had like a crazy Mike. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and then the corners were pretty darn good for a lot of teams. Now you'd get like like uh, Longhorns that one year, like. I mean, you just do whatever against them the whole game. But, I mean, that was a good way to get the younger guys some playing time and, um, you know, keep them around, you know, especially. You guys were in the hard division. uh, When I was in Berlin, yes. When I was in Marburg, no. You Um, only had the unicorns to to worry about. Yeah, like uh, Stuttgart was really tough then, like physically tough, I'm saying. Scorpions. But I, I, I looked at a, a DB, uh, American DB, he was talking trash to our sideline the whole game. And I think we got the ball back like at the start of the fourth quarter. And I said, you guys aren't getting the ball back. And he said, yeah, we will. And I think with like a minute left, they got the ball back. It was awesome. That was my favorite. But like uh, what you were saying uh, for the Mönchengladbach uh, D-line, Really, just D one or NFL Europe? Yeah, it was um, Christian Moore was a D end. I remember uh, the Mike was from like Duke, and he was a he was like one of the craziest people I've ever like encountered in my life. Like, rah, you know, screaming at the sideline and stuff. Uh, you know, so he had a, like, he, his file in the police is really thick too. I could imagine <laughs> why because he went to Duke. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they should focus on basketball. But no, what, what what's so crazy about that is 
So, so my brother, he's played offensive line here in Sweden for a long time, a real long time. And he says that the best player he ever faced game or practice was a former NFL Europe guy who came out to practice with us. He's, he's from Kihwansta and he just came out like uh, the, the first or second year we had a senior team here just to see, see what it was all about. Have some fun. He was, I think he was in his late forties and he came out there and took practice reps at D line and he's the best my brother has ever gone against. Like, just imagine the difference in levels here. Like an active 25-year-old uh, good Swedish D-lineman is worse than this 40-something former NFL Europe guy. Yeah, I mean, but NFL Europe really did a lot, um, obviously, for the game in Germany. I mean, it's massive in Germany still. It, yeah. it gave Patrick Azuma such a uh, insight to the game. It gave uh, Shuan Fata uh, such a you know great experience, and you know those guys, you know, are leaders in the game in Europe. And um, you know, then like we had Mario Novak, who well, I think I believe was in camp. Uh, he was a teenager when he was in camp at NFL Europe, and then played for Berlin Adler as a middle linebacker. Was really really good. Um, you know, they were just, you know, God, you know, some of those guys, Derek Ford, I think, had played maybe for the Hamburgs, was it Sea Devils back then? I don't remember the name. Um, and then uh, there was a running back from England that I believe had played on one of the English teams. You know, it was really cool to get to come across some of those guys and see, you know, the difference that being around those NFL organizations made. Like, it was crazy. There's so so much history in Germany, for, like from NFL Europe. When we were at the, the ELF games, we were at Frankfurt against uh, Dusseldorf. Mm-hmm. Like the, half 20, of the people were 20, 20, Yeah, 2022. 2022. Still, still, NFL Europe jerseys. Oh yeah, they love it. Like you see people walking around with Berlin, old Berlin Thunder and uh, stuff like that around Berlin at the games. Um, I mean, they loved it. Like. It's kind of sad that it didn't, for whatever reason, didn't work out um, because the people who love uh, American football in Germany really, really loved it. Um, you know, they loved yeah, the they... NFL, not the GFL. Um, but, I mean, we had some good – like, you'd go to Kiel, you couldn't hear anything. It was loud. It would be like 4,000. Kiel, it's a sports down. Like, Kiel has yeah. the biggest handball team in the world. Yeah. So, I think Kiel is just a sport – like, they – they just yeah. sport fan of any sports. Yeah, but the thing is, that's the case for so much of Germany too. They love their sports, and when they go in for it, like it's it's an amazing atmosphere. I, oh, no. I the the game we were at in Frankfurt, I it's it was a stadium atmosphere I've never seen in Europe before. Well, Andre cool. has been to the states, so have, he has seen some games. I've never like seen a game outside of Sweden. I'm used to like four people. One of them is the quarterback's uncle, the coach's wife, and some two random dudes who went to clash with the linemen. That's it. <laughs> Going there and seeing like literal fans tailgating and a lot of alcohol. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm going to take you to a Mountaineer game. <laughs> get you, get you. Alcohol involved. Get you in the mountains, get you a little 
bit of that white lightning. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been to a Red Raiders game in Lubbock. That that was oh, that was a hell of a lot of fun. That would be Texas, Texas Tech. Yeah, but uh, it, it it was hilarious. My mom was wearing sunglasses the entire game. And she literally had raccoon eyes when we uh, <laughs> at the end of that day. <laughs> the worst too is some stadiums, like the sun is just like off to the one side, and just half your face will be. <laughs> Let me guess the score of that game: eighty-six to ninety-five. Texas Tech oh. has never had oh. a defensive player get drafted. Oh. I, I... I, I do not remember what the score was, but I, I remember the Colorado Buffaloes winning a pretty close game. What? Like, you guys know college football. Has ever a Texas Tech defensive player never ever gotten drafted? Yes. So. J- Jordan Brooks, first-round linebacker, plays for the Seahawks. Not Only him and the <laughs> I don't think they line up on defense. <laughs> Hey, they've, they've actually improved uh, recently, but th- there was a stretch there where they'd lose every game by like 60 to 50, 50 to 40, and scores like that. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury decided, you know, he was going to just try and score like Mike Leach did, but <laughs> couldn't quite do it. Uh, As a head coach, would you ever adapt that philosophy? It gets you more fans. Like, um, like I don't, know. don't bring any imports on defense. All of your good athletes, keep them out of defense. Just have like five wide. I mean, when I was in high school, our coach sometimes in the huddle, like we'd, we'd be on a long defensive drive and he'd be like, hurry up and let them score. Like, <laughs> what do you want? But that was the philosophy. He, he, he knew we'd execute more times than another high school team. So, I mean, like. Hurry up. My, our quarterback needs a state record. Hurry up. Oh, our guy, the guy at my high school. He threw 10 touchdown passes in the state championship game in 98. Oh, my God. It was crazy. They, were, they had, like, rules. They were, like, um, you weren't allowed to return, like, kicks and punts. They just fair caught everything. And then they never actually ran the ball. The quarterback would turn and, like, toss it, like, overhand to the forward to the running back. Like, it was it's crazy. But <laughs> they won the state championship, so can't really say anything. But, yeah, I couldn't do that. Um I like I like field position, so that's you know definite. I mean, I guess if you got a good kick return, you can let other, the other team score as much as you want. You get good field position that way. Um, I don't know. I just I, I get excited about the defense. Like I'm not good at coaching defense, but like when like the Murphys and Philip Johnson and you know some of those guys get flying around there on our defenses over uh, uh, with the Black Knights, like that was exciting. You get, get Danny Lynn returning interceptions and Sebastian Gauthier and stuff. Like, we had some really exciting defenses. Uh, oh, Sebastian played for you guys. Wait, mm-hmm. Which got to your, the ELF one or his brother? They both did that one year. Uh, but you got uh, – he's actually one of the best – okay, last season he was at least. Not this this season, but the season before. Yeah, he's, he's probably one of the best players in the ELF. Oh, he's a heck of a player, and he'd play um, like goal line running back for some. Um, it's like Eric Murphy was our goal line running back, and the offense all get mad at those guys. They like stat stealers, and I'm like, oh, what do you want me to do? I want to score. Like, make sure we score. It's, it's, it's in real life. He's not much bigger than me. Yeah, but like, 
I don't. Yeah, I've never seen. Like, I've never seen you like run a forty. I'm six. I'm six five. Right. I mean, <laughs> here he here he goes lying about his height again. He he was really crazy because like he he could just cover ground so well. Uh, he and I got into it only one time in my whole life. Um, I've ever gotten that upset with a Swedish person. We were at a kebab place because kebab rule is one of my favorite things in the world. And I had lived in Germany, so I knew the word for French fries. And you guys can think I'm saying it wrong, but it doesn't matter. Pommes. And so I'm ordering, I'm ordering to this guy who I would order with him in German because I didn't speak Swedish at the time. And I knew how to order that in, in German. And the guy spoke German. He didn't speak English, but he spoke German and Swedish. So anyway, I'm trying to tell the guy I want some French fries on my kebab roll. And are you allowed to cuss on this podcast? I don't know if we are or not. Yeah, yeah. Our, our discount goes this shit show. So come on. <laughs> um, so I'm like trying to tell him, and Sebastian's like, wait, coach, what are you trying to order? And I was like, Pommes. And he just looks at me and I'm like, Pommes. And he's like, What are you saying? And I go, fucking French fries. And he goes, Oh, you mean Pommes. <laughs> went after Sebastian. It was one of the funniest. And we laughed and laughed and laughed, but I have never yelled at him other than that. How many times did he run in practice after that? He did, dude, I don't believe in it, but you know. <laughs> I was like, that, I was like, you're ridiculous. Like I, I said all the right things. Like if you say stuff to, to me in English, even with an accent, you know, I know what you're saying. I think Thomas and Thomas are close enough to each other. You know, awesome about French fries. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It, 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 it's actually quite funny because it's, Swedish has a very unique sound system where we can put emphasis on multiple syllables within the same word. It's a strange phenomenon that doesn't really happen in most other languages. So I think he got caught off guard because you were just pronouncing strongly one of the syllables and not both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it's funny. Like, we had a good laugh about it later, but that was the, the angriest I think I ever got in my life in Sweden was over French fries. <laughs> and I got two personal fouls. Oh, no, I only got one personal foul in Sweden. I've gotten two personal fouls in Europe, so that's saying something. Like, how, Let's go into those. How did you get your personal fouls? Because you, you seem like an easygoing guy. I mean, he's not in a game day situation here, Osai. <laughs> yeah. well, he coached me in a semi-game. He did not look that mad either. But oh, we were yeah. like, kicking the other like, team's ass, so it was easy. <laughs> I mean, my thing is, like, I, I do – I actually really struggle uh, getting, like, amped up to a certain level. Like, like say, in that camping games. I, I definitely can't coach those the same way. Um, and I just um, – you know, it's weird. I get, like, a real sense of injustice sometimes. Like, if there's a lot of call pass interference or if, like, that we played somebody – they kept going in forward in motion and it just kept getting let go. And I just, you know, I'll say things like football here is never going to get better if you don't call that, or, you know, you're making more money than me today. (laughs) And, you know, that's a fair flag, I guess, to throw, but at the same time, like I wasn't wrong. So, (laughs) Uh, you should be able to handle a sassy comment. Well, I mean, I thought that was pretty calm. I did. I don't cuss at people, so I mean, 
and if I if I would ever like say like a cuss word, like it would be like as a um, emphasis, not as a at somebody. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean the one the one I got in Germany it was because they they like did the wave away, you know, on a punt return. The other team did, and this was at Mutual Gladbach actually. They did the wave away. Well, that year they had put in the any anything like you didn't have any to, signal. Yeah, any signal was a fair catch. Well, they wave away, and so we, you know, spread to get away from it. And the guy gets it and takes off running for like thirty yards, and we luckily tackle him. And the referees didn't. Um, the referees didn't uh, acknowledge it. It should have been. It just should have been a delay game. Uh, uh, and the referees, I'm talking to them about it and everything, and they go, "Come on, coach, that's too technical." And I was, just went off. We can, yeah, you threw a tantrum. You're re- literally the referee. Like it's you're the one keeping our everything technical. Like yeah, I mean, I mean that that that's actually really bad because in like any sort of uh, refing course that would be a point of emphasis if that's a new rule coming in. And that, that's a big one. So, like, if that's a thing, oh, you should treat every hand signal as a as if they've given up on the play. They can't return it. Yeah. Then, I mean, then you have to call that. No, and I, I think I was maybe in charge of punt was why I took it kind of personal because I didn't even get in my butt chewed. You know, by the like, we were winning 16 nothing or something like that, or something, you know, not very much. Well, think about how the defense would have felt if right at the end of the game, you know, the offensive coordinator who's in charge of punt team for some reason gives up a, a kick or a punt return for a touchdown, gives up that, uh, you know, gives up the shutout. I wouldn't have felt very good about myself. And I probably got yelled at by our head coach because he was a guy who liked to yell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Osage, should we get into our final questions before we round off here? Yeah, there's a bunch of them now. So <laughs> Got some questions for you, Coach. Hey, hold on. Answer with the best of your abilities, as Andrew <laughs> used to say. <laughs> I have said that. Okay, the, the first question. What is your favorite football concept? And this can be anything on offense, on defense. It can be uh, a coverage, a D-line twist. It can be any passing run concept, whatever you like. Oh, uh, I mean, if I don't say power, then I'm not being very true to myself. Uh, you know, I like the, the, the kick out and the lock down and the pull through. Um, and then a, another favorite, just to pique people's interest, um, the turn 10 yard turn route concept uh, by all four receivers, but then tagging a post over the top against cover four. That's a really nice concept for me. Huh. There, there to explain it again to okay, the people so, who do not understand football, like yeah, we, us experts do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say we're in four wides. Um, all four wide receivers on the play are running 10 yards sticking their outside foot in the ground and they come right back down the stem that they just ran until the ball comes to the outside shoulder and turn, makes them turn up field. So the ball might be caught at 10. It might be caught at five, whatever. But so against cover four, anything past 10 or anything at 10 yards, you know, eight to 10 becomes man to man. So what we would do, we'd tag a post by one of the outside receivers. So it makes that safety jump, the inside receiver, you throw a post over the top one cover four what you're hoping is the corner 
thinks he's got safety help over the top. Uh, yeah, you, you're you're trying to get sort of a similar read to like when you when you run the Mills concept, right? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, I did that in my first um, game in Sweden, and it really worked. So that was nice because I've been coaching it the whole preseason <laughs> that it was going to work. That's awesome. And the second question: Which is your favorite football uniform? Any team, any era, any school, any. Anywhere. Dang. Um, well, I guess. You could stay loyal and say West Virginia, but. No, that's <laughs> not what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, really, like, you, you can't go wrong with, uh, you know, the Penn State look at home. Uh, you know, white helmets with the blue stripe, blue plain jerseys. I like it simple. Uh, you know, people gave me a hard time. I went white pants at. Orbro whenever we played at home with the black jersey and white pants, but you know I like I like I like looks like that. Also, you like oh, sorry. You you like the sort of old school classic looks of them? Yeah, like Alabama looks great. You know, um, you know, any, anything just kind of simple. I always think uh, teams, especially when it gets cold here in the U.S. on a Friday night, uh, teams going all white just makes you look so much bigger as a team. Uh, I think that, that yeah, the bills look amazing every time it snows, which is all the time. <laughs> yeah, but dang, if they could have just taken care of it yesterday, that'd been nice. <laughs> Are you a Bills fan? No, but sometimes you responsibly uh, want a certain team to win. It's a business decision. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, this is a two-part question. <laughs> What is the least skilled position in football? Like as a group or an actual position? Like a position, like tackle, guard, safety, running back. The, like that position that requires the least amount of skill. Strong tackle. All he's got to do is drive block, down block, and quick set. I, I, don't, I don't think we I don't I don't think we've had that answer before. That's uh, interesting. No. What is the most skilled position then? Hmm. Probably corner. You know, you get a really good corner, they're usually one of the best uh at doing what they do. Yeah. It's the unanimous decision. Corner and man coverage is probably the nightmare of, oh. of all. I think uh safety is one of the uh we, one that takes the least, but it takes somebody being really uh, good at what they do, but least skilled. If you stay deep on stuff and cover a lot of ground with good angles. Yeah, worst, wait, I need to pull up that new questions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The next one. Uh, what, what is your favorite position in football? And you're not allowed to say uh, the position you yourself played. Well, I, I, I was kind of moved around a lot, so. Uh, okay, what, then, then you're um, free to answer. <laughs> yeah, um, my favorite position position is uh, pulling guard. So, you know, maybe a little undersized, but he can move. Uh, you know, get you get your running game going. You can use them in the uh, rollout game a little bit, maybe. You know, run a little waggle with them, stuff like that. 
as a coach, I think you could answer this question differently. But the best player you ever played against or coached against, for that matter. Um, I can't say the one guy. Um, I talked about it earlier. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, I'd have to go with uh, Alpha Jala. So was my answer too. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Okay, the best team you ever played against or coached against? Oh man, uh, this uh, Swarker Raiders that we played in the um, 2011 Euro down there in uh, Innsbruck. They were they were legit. Kyle Callahan is their quarterback, and um, Talib Wise was out there for him. Um, and then all their good Austrian players, great O-line they had. Uh, Florian Grind as a running back. I mean, they that was, <laughs> that was a tough team to play against. 2011 Swarko Raider. Yeah. Great defense as well. Swarko has been good through the years and Vienna. Oh, yeah. I, I, I really uh, – well, especially with Danny going down to Vienna, you know, followed them a little closer. Um you know, they've always been a team that I really thought really highly of, Vienna and Swarko both. I think we've been running long here, so we should probably bring this to a close. Uh, but we'd like to thank you a lot, Coach Aaron uh, Fiddler. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, man. Oh, you guys too. I appreciate uh, getting to talk some ball. I don't get to do it enough anymore, especially you know, with some guys from Sweden there. Awesome. Fun to have you on. And uh, again, to everyone listening, make sure you uh, check out our merch drop coming this weekend. Starts uh, Friday, January 27th on contactsports.se. Make sure to use our discount code SHITSHOW to get 5% off on your order. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to go follow our Instagram account. We're at Gridirons of Europe. Follow our Twitter account. We're at Gridirons Europe. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Bye-bye. It's for my boy, Body.